gets colder My eyes goes thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Focus on the Facts. Patricia Negron is my co-host, and for the past two years, she has been my partner in crime in the battle to stop the global pedophile epidemic in the child sex trafficking networks. Today, Trisha and I will continue to cover the takedown of the global child sex trafficking networks with the latest developments in the child abuse and sex trafficking scandals of Jeffrey Epstein and Nexium and the takedown of the pedophile protecting attorneys representing all these perverts. We will discuss the latest developments in the Nexium child sex trafficking cult and the recent guilty pleas that have been entered in that case. Jury selection begins today in the Nexium case. Over the past few weeks, the attorneys who are representing these, these protecting the pedophiles in legal cases have taken a huge fall. We will discuss the legal charges brought against attorneys Mark Garagos and Michael Avenatti, who represent the perverts in the Nexium case. In the latest court hearing in the Jeffrey Epstein case, the judge said that Epstein and his attorney, Alan Dershowitz, were both involved in Epstein's child sex trafficking network. And the victim's attorney, Paul Castle, said in a press conference that there is a universe of 24 girls that Dershowitz may have sexually abused. However, the 96-year-old judge who was in charge of the motions to unseal the records in the Epstein case that are now still pending has died. Another attorney in the Epstein case, Ken Starr, also has his own sex abuse scandals. In May 2016, he was ousted as president of Baylor University amid the sexual assault scandal involving the Bears football team. Baylor had been under fire on charges of doing little to investigate the reports of rapes by its male athletes, the female students at the university. Starr was fired because the regions believed that the blame for the school's failure in handling the rape and sexual assault reports fell on Starr. We will also discuss the latest news on the sexual scandals following presidential candidates Joe Biden and Kirsten Gillibrand's ties to the Nexium sex cult, including sitting at the tables purchased by Nexium at a Hillary Clinton fundraiser. Her lobbyist father, Doug Rutnick, was also employed by the Nexium sex cult. So I'll bring Trish on now and we'll discuss these latest developments in these cases. Welcome to the show, Trish. Hi, Evelyn. Lots happening, huh? Yes. <laughs> Judges yes. dropping dead. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm telling you. You know, we've the got the elites. I mean, <laughs> these are the elites we're taking down. You know, the yeah. people, you know, we've been saying, you know, but we never get to the elites. You know, right. we never get to the top of these pedophile networks. And so well, let's start with let's start with Joe Biden, what's going on with him. You know, this this is absolutely horrible. I mean, Joe Biden has been, you know, groping and pawing women and children is my main concern. You know, the women is bad enough, but the children, you know, and um, this is just terrible. His his lion is way out of this, you know, and, and you know, the mainstream media doesn't seem to report that uh, what about all of his, um, you know, the cases where the Secret Service men came and said how they can't, they can't be around be around Biden. You know, I mean, this is just just horrible. You know that um, I I looked up a story this morning and it said um, 
uh, former Joe Biden's Secret Service agent. We had to protect women from him, Weinstein-level stuff. He said that we had to cancel the VP Christmas get-together at Vice President's house because Biden would grope all of our wives and girlfriends' asses. The annual party was for agents and Navy personnel who were tasked with protecting the Biden family. He would mess with every single woman or teen. It was horrible, the agent said. And then, you know, and then he goes around swimming nude in front of uh, Secret Service agents. You know, this monster, you know. Right. He really pushes the the lines constantly, and he does it with his affable, you know, Uncle Joe kind of way. And, you know, you would think that the people around him would be smart enough or, you know, have the integrity to say, look, you know, that may be your style, but that's not appropriate to do, right? I mean, you're the vice president, for heaven's sake. And then, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, which is very, very typical, and and also, you know, the case with Nexium, where all the focus is being kept on the women and to the distraction of the amount of, um, the amount, the number of times he's been caught inappropriately touching children. And, you know, you just said the Secret Service agent complained that this was, you know, their daughters, teen daughters were being groped by this guy. I mean, if, you know, if that is not beyond the pale, I don't know what is. And so, you know, I don't care if you're the fucking vice president of the United States. You don't get to do that shit. No. So same with Nexium cult. They keep focusing on the the trafficking, the sex trafficking of these women when there was also an entire preschool program devoted to the grooming of preschoolers for child sex trafficking. I mean, that that's the bigger horror story. And that's always what happens in these cases is that, you know, they keep you focused on one aspect of it to the distraction of the more serious um, details. Well, right. You know, and, and with Biden, it's like, I think, the, you know, he's using this as a distraction because of the other big story that's out is about, about him defrauding uh, people in Ukraine and his son getting that contract in Ukraine with that oil company. And this is all coming out at the same time, you know. But I want to go back to what these um, Secret Service agents said about Biden and about groping all those wives and girlfriends. He said, um, they said, a Secret Service agent once got suspended for a week in 2009 for shoving Biden after he cupped his girlfriend's breast while the couple was taking a photo with him. The situation got so heated, the source said Cassandra Fairbanks, that others had to step in and prevent the agent from hitting the then vice president. And the, the agent claims that Biden would walk around with VP residents naked at night. He said, this is real Weinstein stuff. And so, you know, this, this is horrible. I mean, I had said from the start that that pedophile better never try to enter that White House. We'll take him down in the streets ourselves. But, you know, there's all these previous reports of what, it, what he did. And these Secret Service agents said teens, too, so their children must have been. You couldn't keep right. anyone away from them. And then, well, the and then about him sleep, just... swimming naked in, the, um, naked in front of Secret Service agents, and they said he would, he would always do it. And he said, but he would only go naked when his wife, Jill, was absent. Of course. I mean, this monster knows what he's doing and what he has yep. been doing for 
decades. No, clearly he, you know, flaunts his sense of power. And, and that's what that is. It's just, you know, to be able to act with such impunity and to rub, to, to grope another man's, you know, wife or girlfriend or teen daughter in front of them. Yeah. You know, all over the place. Like, I mean, what kind of scumbag do you have to be in order to imagine that that's, you know, you should be able to get away with that? I mean, it just, and then you see on the mainstream media, what they're doing is trying to spin this as, you know, oh, you know, norms have changed and Uncle Joe just hasn't kept up and, you know, he's just a clueless old guy. Don't mind him. He's harmless. And it's just right. like, you know, it's so typical of the mainstream media to protect these people. It's really very sickening to watch. Well, right, and now he's out there. He's out there in public with apology. I'm not sorry for any of my intentions. I'm not sorry for anything I've ever done. I'll tell you, you, I, I view those swearing-in ceremonies when he was vice president of the Senate as satanic ritual ceremonies. I mean, them parents would stand there and let him grope that little girl's breasts. I mean, it made me sick. I mean, if you watch those videos, you know, and you watch those little girls, and I, and I have a good memory of my childhood. I can remember back to those days and watching them little girls and trying to move away from him, trying to massage their breasts right in public on NPR. It's right there. And then yes. parents let him do it. This is so disgusting. Yeah. No, I mean, those little girls are horrified. That... <sighs> yeah, they're there were a couple of parents, though, remember, that sort of stepped in and were like, okay. Oh, and one of them being, what's his name, the Republican, uh, with his granddaughter. He, like, Jeffrey away. I mean, Jeffrey, Jeff Sessions. Yes, Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions. Yep. Yeah, he went to touch his granddaughter and he swatted his hand away. He knew damn well what's going on. <laughs> yeah, he knew. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's really mortifying to watch because you can see it is. the girls squirming. And I, you know, as you said, like, I remember as a girl those moments when you knew somebody was trying to touch you in an inappropriate way, and you moved away just like you could see the little girls move away. I remember those moments and, and what he was doing. Like, even, you know, that it was just, it, there was no need for him to have put his hands there. They should have either remained on her shoulders or not at all on her body, which would have been the more appropriate thing you know, just mm-hmm. out of sheer respect. Yep. And I, and like you, I'm the same thing. I mean, I had perverted teachers who would try to reach over and, and touch my boobs and stuff like this, you know. And you, yeah, yeah, you know, these those... girls are even younger than, than I'm yes. talking about, but with me. Yes. But yes. You t- but my God, they were right on the, for the whole world to watch. That's why I view yes, them as satanic rituals, that these parents allow this. Well, to do this to their very own children. The sense of power of, uh, you know, his sense of impunity in behaving this way. So what else is he getting away with that he's rubbing in our face? You know what I mean? Oh, really? It's really hard to, it's really hard to uh, understand. And one of his accusers had come out and she said that uh, Joe Biden hasn't learned anything if he's making jokes about consent when he, when he, then he went on and went out on a, campaign thing or something he's inviting kids up on the stage and saying oh they gave me consent to touch them stuff like this this sick monster did you see lucy flores 
who was a yeah. popular candidate in 2016, wrote a story just the other day about how he had offered to come uh, speak on her behalf at an event and that as she was preparing to walk on stage, she had just met the guy. And he walks up behind her, grabs her by the shoulders, and leans in, smells her hair, and then plants a long, slow kiss on the back of her head. Just yeah. as she's getting ready to walk on stage. And she, she said she could not have been more mortified. She said it was the most inappropriate thing that had ever happened to her. Yeah, I, I read that story, and I, I pictured that. And, and I'm thinking, you know, when I used to go give lectures and stuff, somebody doing that when you're standing there getting ready to go out and speak and then this pervert comes oh, up behind imagine. you and does this Pardon? it's horrifying yeah oh absolutely absolutely so anyways i think that uh he wants to stay focused on this you know to stay away from this scandal of him and his son exposed a massive ukraine fracking corruption scandal yeah yeah but, no uh, that was very much a part of that coup by the U.S. Yeah. And, you know, Poroshenko is tied directly into all of that. His own, um, there were reports that came out very recently that showed that his wealth has grown by 10,000% right. just in the last two years. And the bulk of that was generated by investments of a firm owned and controlled by none other than the Rothschild family. Sure. Well, the headline for this, the head, the, this shocked me, the headline for that story. It says, directs Alex Christoforo and editor-in-chief Alexander Mercouris examine how former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden may have leveraged the maiden coup and war in East Ukraine to strike lucrative fracking deals in East Ukraine, along with a John Kerry family friend. There's no question. Well, what are they, that was a, they say in the they staged this whole coup, you know? Yep. In the murder of how many people? Yep, that and they still so have terrible. their arming neo Nazis there. We have, you know, um, yeah. John McCain and uh, I believe Marco Rubio, um, both. Uh, no, it was Lindsey Graham and um, Marco Rubio, I believe, who went to the Ukraine to urge on the neo-Nazis to fight the government. They were arming them. They put $3 billion of our tax money into that coup leading up to it. And they're still fighting to keep Poroshenko in power, though he's, like, failing miserably, and it looks like they may lose control. But that was absolutely what that was about, because, remember, Russia is trying to capture a lot of that natural gas business going to Western Europe. And this was the U.S.'s way of cutting that off and grabbing a piece of it for Western allied interests, the billionaires on our side of the table. Yeah. Well, in this article, it says that Biden uh, made a major tactical error last year when he bragged to an audience foreign policy experts, how he threatened to hurl Ukraine into bankruptcy if their top prosecutor, General Viktor Shokin, wasn't immediately fired. In his own words, Biden threatened Ukrainian President Poroshenko in March 2016 that the Obama administration will pull a $1 billion in U.S. loan guarantees, sending the 
former Soviet Republic towards insolvency if it didn't immediately fire Prosecutor Shokin. He said, you got, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here, I think, in about six hours. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the money. And then he was fired. They were investigating the company that, that uh, Biden, Biden had, was invested in, weren't they? Well, Hunter w- w- became a board member, <clears throat> and um, it was it was Hunter's kind of um, deal. I mean, he was directly tied to that company. And the time and I he remember was when... all around the coup. I mean, he became affiliated with that company at the time of the coup, so that was clearly a part of it. I mean, you look at what's going on in Venezuela, where the U.S. has seized the, um, Venezuelan assets, and appointed its own board of directors to run it. Right. When it's not, they've just stolen it. Same kind of thing. Got kicked out of the Navy for being a cokehead. And it was just seven He's months later that they put him on this board. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so it was t- clearly... And to make statements like that, I mean, these people... These are not normal people, and I think it's really important for the rest of the world to understand. These aren't just, you know, oh, they went a little too far this time or, you know, oh, that was just a lapse in judgment. It's like, no, this is how they they have run their careers and their lives. They have spent decades stealing, killing, and, you know, just wreaking havoc across the planet using our tax dollars to do it. And then, you know, keeping all the booty for themselves. We never, you know, none of this gets returned to the American taxpayers. Yet, you know, every single year, our military budget mushrooms even bigger. It's just, it's astounding. And yet we have 40 million Americans living at the official poverty line. 40 million. And that does not include the homeless, incarcerated, or military active duty who don't live with a civilian, at least one civilian. It's just like, so there are millions and millions still, like, not even counted in that number. And yet we've got always got more money for freaking bombs, don't we? Right. Make well, what does it look like in Venezuela? Are we going to attack them? No, it looks like, you know, the, the what they're going to do is what they're doing in Syria and um, Ukraine, more more like Ukraine, which is to keep low-level, constant um, terrorist, terrorism going there where they're, you know, smaller events that are not military um, assaults. They're just, you know... A, attacks on the electric grid. They did it a second time, for example. And and so they're continuing these kinds of assaults to try and wear down the population over, you know, and just through attrition, um, get rid of Maduro. And they're still actively attempting to assassinate him. I mean, they're, if, they, if they can get to him, they will. And so that's going on. They, they're occupying the embassy illegally in violation of the Geneva Convention there. Now, the U.S. is occupying their embassy and using it clearly to conduct their um, covert operations to oust Maduro. They're still pushing the narrative, but nobody's buying it, which is good. And so 
um, that's that's a first, and and this is, but they're going to keep trying. So there, there's no way they're going to give up. They have the largest crude oil reserves in the world, and remember, the Koch brothers have the type of refineries that can only process that specific kind of crude. So they have put a lot of money behind this um, through Marco Rubio, who we see really towing the line here and making overt threats of assassination against Maduro. This is also scary. I mean, you know that we can't stop them. Well, the good news is that Russia sent some troops there. Um, They did joint exercises with the Venezuelan army in February, and they now have um, operational some S-300 missile systems, which have been proven quite effective in um, intercepting missile strikes. So should the U.S. attempt to fire and attack, uh, fire on or attack um, Venezuela, they're protected by some of the best missile systems in the world. So that's good news. Then China sent over some troops um, bringing aid, and they pushed back on public um, reporting of this because it's very unusual for China to send troops anywhere. The only other places that China has sent troops in modern history has been Syria, and that was about three years ago, and then also apparently in Afghanistan. But they do it really under the guise of support and helping with humanitarian aid delivery as opposed to um, uh, under the um, auspices of providing military defense. So they were very vocal about being clear that this was intended only to help in the delivery of aid, but it it is still significant. China has very significant interest in Venezuela as well. They made a $10 billion loan to Venezuela that was due 2016, and they allowed it to be repaid in in crude oil. So... um, China has a long relationship with Venezuela. China is building its gold reserves because it's working on introducing this gold-backed yuan to compete with the U.S. petrodollar, and it appears to be very close to doing that. So they're actively uh, building their own gold reserves and need access to Venezuela because Venezuela also, in addition to having the world's largest oil reserves, has the second largest gold reserves. Right, right. And so now, you know, it used to be, we talked about this before, you know, they've been overthrowing countries to steal their resources for decades, you know, and uh, but they'd hide it, you know. But now they just do it right out in the open. They don't care that we see it. Well, you know, that's, that is true to a certain extent, though I will point out, you know, they, these are people that have spent, remember, that one contract that the Pentagon um inked with Bell Pottinger is a British PR firm, $540 million, half a billion dollars for this one contract of many that was to create Iraq war propaganda, including fake terrorist videos. So the fact that they would 
spend that much money and effort on on lying to the public and deliberately misleading the public tells us that it's really important to them that we believe that we're there for, you know, all the right reasons and that we're the good guys. So it that by taking that away from them with this, you know, alternative um, news platforms that we've created, it weakens them. It doesn't stop them, but it does weaken them significantly. And and they're not accustomed to this. They're not accustomed to being stopped, so they fully expect to continue getting away with this stuff. However, we're making it harder and harder for them to be successful. And, you know, with any luck, we'll figure out how to shut them down altogether. But um, that really is genuinely progress, though. Being Exposing it for the fraud that it is is big, big progress. Think of all, you know, these guys, remember the Rothschilds, Rupert Murdoch, and, and these, you know, handful of families control 90% of the mainstream media. And that is not an accident. It is really important that we not know the truth, that it is, it's important to them that we not know the truth. The fact that we know the truth now hurts them big time. And you can bet that it's, it's, making them nervous and frustrating them. So that's a, always a good thing. Well, yeah, I like, uh, there's a great meme that's out there and it's a, uh, it just, it gives flashes of, you know, of, um, in Iraq and uh, of Libya and Syria and maybe Afghanistan. I don't know, but then Venezuela, you know, it shows how the lies that took us into these wars, you know, that we had yes. to kill these evil dictators, you know, and now they expect us to believe the same thing about Venezuela. Right. Right. Well, we've, yeah, we've never had the opportunity to um, expose the lie in real time the way we do right. now. We were always finding out just like bits and pieces, and you could never put the whole story together until all of the information was made available by, you know, through public disclosures. And, you know, you're talking years and years and years. Just look at the JFK assassination. Why would those records yeah. be sealed if the, if the narrative, the official narrative were true? Why would you keep those records sealed? 70 years later, are you kidding me? Or however long it is, 55 years later? Like, and so now, you know, we were able to expose, you know, when they were pretending to deliver humanitarian aid, it's like, Oh, gee, where have we seen this before? And it was like we had this Syria example. We had, like, so many examples of where the U.S. has pretended to bring humanitarian aid and then been caught smuggling weapons and terrorists in using it. Well, we were able to expose that as it was happening this time. And then the New York Times had to come out and admit that it was, in fact, Guaido's supporters that set that truck on fire and not... Maduro's. And and while the mainstream media will never repeat that so that most people will continue believing that um, it was uh, Maduro's people, there's a, there's a uh, critical mass that knows better now. And that makes a big difference. So they're, they're just yes. not going to get away with this anymore the way they used to. You know who does great reporting on this is Jimmy Dore on his comedy channel. You know, right? He that, does. Uh, he, 
he put one out, I think it was yesterday or today, it must have been yesterday or day before, and then he showed how they led us into wars, you know, that he, that he showed film of that 15-year-old girl telling, uh, testifying to Congress how they're taking babies out of the incubators and throwing them on the floor, crying and all this, yep. you know. And then he goes, and then he shows how President Bush is, uh, President Old Man Bush is out there saying that to the media, you know, and then, and then that was to win, win defense that we go over there, you know, we go to defend yep. these people, you know. And then right. in the second, the, the fake weapons of mass, um, mass destruction, you know, the lies they sold us on that. Yes. And, and now, and now they sit there and, uh, and look at, look at in Afghanistan. We've been there how long? Supposedly it was to get bin Laden. We've been there, what, 18 right. years now? Slaughtering yes. people? You know, and now they want to go, uh, we're supposed to go into Venezuela and save people. Yeah. Right. As it, yeah. And meanwhile, the poverty, you know, we have Ben Norton and then another journalist team that went to Venezuela specifically to interview the, the you know, hungry and homeless. And they literally could not find a single freaking homeless person in a month of looking. Right. Specifically right. looking for a homeless person, not just hanging out there. They wanted to, that was the whole point of them going, was to find these people. And in the U.S., they report, like Ben Norton gets home to New York, and this other team, one of the women gets home to London, and they're like, couldn't find any homeless or people eating out of garbage while in Venezuela. But as soon as I got home to London or New York, you know, respectively, they were like, I saw tons of people eating out of garbage cans and sleeping in the rough. You know, so just the whole thing is such a freaking farce. And, uh, you know, our own poverty rate, you know, we our official rate, which does not include the homeless, which is really like outrageous, is 40 million Americans living in poverty. Where's the humanitarian aid? Why is Donald? Right. Why is Congress and Donald Trump cutting meal assistance, food stamps, you know, disability, social security? Why are all these things being cut for the you know homeless and hungry here in the U.S.? Right. Well, there was there was a story out yesterday or the day before. It said that Americans had about eighty-eight billion dollars last year to cover their health care costs in this country. It's ungodly. It's and most uh-huh. people do not have. And we have the worst health care in the world. We have the sickest yeah. people in the world, and the most expensive. Yeah. And this is what these pe- people are going bankrupt, having to pay for their health care in this country. I don't go to any of them quacks, and I don't take any pharma poisons, not even aspirin. Oh no, no. It's, I mean, it's just like, horrible. Yeah, we we're going to save people in other countries. Look at this country. Oh. It really is a cesspit of. Poverty, corruption, and state-sponsored violence. I mean, you look at the number of incarcerated. We've got eighty thousand yeah. dollars a year to incarcerate millions of nonviolent people who have never been charged with a crime. Yet we don't have enough money to fund our schools. Right, right. And look at the look at the sentences that the average person in America gets, you know, for, for possession of, of drugs or even pot and stuff. And then you look at the sentences that these elites get for these horrible crimes and they get nothing. Yep. The best, best justice money can buy. 
it's it's a horror story. I mean, and the thing is, unfortunately, is Americans don't even recognize how fascist their own government is. I mean, you there's General Smedley Butler in 1934 testified in secret to Congress about a banker-led coup against FDR in which they wanted to install a, quote, fascist government and set up, quote, concentration camps for Jews. This was a group of bankers here in the U.S., and what do you know, right at that same time, concentration camps for Jews started popping up in Germany. It was the same group of bankers. And, you know, they said what they wanted was a fascist government. And we have concentration camps here in the form of prisons in which, you know, almost 80% of the people have never been charged with a crime. So we have our fascist government. They got, they got exposed by Smedley Butler, but no one was punished. They got away with it. That's what we live under right now. They're trying to pass legislation to make vaccines mandatory. Vaccine manufacturers have, have immunity, but yet $4 billion have been paid out for injuries by you and me to people who have been seriously injured by these vaccines. That's not from, you know, getting a rash or a headache or something. These are people that are permanently disabled and injured from vaccines. Yet, the Department of Health and Human Services has never once submitted the legally required vaccine study safety surveys that are required to be submitted to Congress. They have never once ever done this in more than 30 years and the number of vaccines that are, we're requ- we're recommended to give to children is over 70. We have the highest right. infant death rate among western nations. Absolutely. I've happen? probably since 2005 I've probably written two dozen articles on this vaccine industry poisoning our population, you know, and it's a- and most of, most of them I, I I researched and wrote for free, and to get them published, you know, it was very hard to get people to publish them. Um, but it, ha- it hasn't helped. I mean, it's gotten worse. I mean, now well, they weren't at- mandating these uh-huh. vaccines back when I started writing about them, but now they are. And now did you see where UPS is going to deliver uh, vaccines to adults? Yep. No. Yep. And they're making they're making the hearings are all secret congress is need they will not open they will not allow the public to participate they refuse to allow robert f kennedy jr from speaking the guy who had been appointed by the president to pursue this issue and the and one of the two people along with del bigtree that sued the department of health and human services to see these non-existent you know safety studies surveys um and, and now they want you know and so this this is what fascism is. The, you know, this is how is that a democracy where these kinds of laws are being passed in secret by people who clearly are not interested in you know what's best for us. They're serving the interests of. And then look at Nipsey Hussle, the guy who was just shot, gunned down. Oh, yes. Um, yep. Who had 
only just completed a documentary on Big Pharma and the the fraud of their disease treatment and their health, you know, bullshit. It's all poison. And and the guy he did the um, documentary about, Dr. What was his name? Sib or something like that? They, um, I forget. I forget. But he, he but was I, but murdered himself. Right, right. All these holistic doctors, they, they murder. Yep. You know, and I don't know, this is getting, but I think this will bring a revolution. This business of forcing parents to vaccinate their children, you know, that, um, no, they, they aren't going to go along with this. I don't believe they are. Of course, uh, Natural News is calling for a boycott of, of UPS for, uh, for going to deliver these vaccines to adults now. Yeah, I mean, that's really horrible. Oh, really, isn't it? And there is no safety data for these things. None. No, no. Well, did we see uh, yesterday or April 5th, it said judge orders pervert Anthony Weiner to register as a sex offender. Yeah. But he has oh, to, wow. uh, but, they, but they ruled him only a level one offender. Must register for a minimum of 20 years. He's required to verify his address every year, notify the state within 10 days of moving, and visit a police station every three years to have a new picture taken. But because he's a low-level designation, Wiener's information won't show up in the state's online sex registry, but will be available via a toll-free telephone number. Now, who the hell is going to call a toll-free telephone number to check on if someone's a pervert? Uh, Right. That's ludicrous. Wow. Uh, well, he's still in a, um, I think he's still in a halfway house. I don't know. Well, and so there's a new judge, Evelyn, is that, uh, that's now on the case? It, in the Epstein case? No. Yeah. Not, not that I could find as of yesterday. So those motions for, to release those records in the Epstein case are still sealed and unruled on. Okay. Uh, and, you know, all and that's terrible because we needed those. We needed those records. You know, we've well, got to get to the bottom. Of the judge. <laughs> yeah. So he, so he dies. Yeah. And he was a judge in the uh, Weinstein case too. <laughs> oh, wow. Hmm. So this is really, really scary. <laughs> really scary. It is. You know, and, uh, and, um, you know, last week we were talking about Epstein, um, you know, being a contributor to the uh, Clinton Foundation or Clinton Global Initiative and stuff. Well, you know where um, people probably got that? When applying for that uh, plea deal, um, uh, Dershowitz and those attorneys wrote up this thing as pleading, you know, that Epstein's such a great guy. And they put that in there that he had contributed to that foundation in, in setting up that global initiative. Yeah, that's where I saw so, it. That's where I had yeah. seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's part of the official record. It's not like just hearsay or something. It's part of the official record. You know what? Right? I view this as I view this as Dershowitz's way of blackmailing these people that are involved. Oh, Decide I'm sure. with him to keep those records silent. You know, he's just dangling it out there how they're all involved. Why would he put that in that in that agreement? You know, and make that stand out. Mm-hmm. And how involved yeah, uh, yeah. how involved Epstein is with the Clinton Foundation, 
this is pure blackmail on his part to keep doing this. Yeah. No, he's he well, he's been accused himself now by two dozen girls. I mean, that's really shocking. I did not expect that. I mean, I know I had heard about the one um who accused him, but the notion that, you know, there are two dozen of them shows that he wasn't some sort of hapless guy who wound up in the wrong place under the wrong circumstances. Um Oh, you know, not. that you don't absolutely. find, you don't accidentally find yourself in bed with a child two dozen different times. No, no. <laughs> and so we've got to stay on this because this is the way we're taking these leads down. They're involved in both of these sex cults. Yep. You know, and we have well, and got they, to take them down. Well, and one of the things that they depend really, really heavily on is this veneer of respectability that the press gives them by, you know, uh, whitewashing all of this stuff all the time. And, you know, they're talking about how all they're giving and and, and all these foundations are, are um, money laundering schemes. That's what they are. For billionaires, right. literally every single one of them are nothing more than money laundering operations. And so, you know, they're, they are heavily dependent on that for their own um, sense of empowerment. And, and the more we chip away at that veneer, the less respectable they are, you know, the public sees them and the less stature they have, and it diminishes their power and makes allows us to be more successful in holding them accountable. So, you know, it all it all feeds into a, a great um, loop if we can keep it going in that direction. You know, we whittle them down to the point where we can finally, you know, cage these guys. Right. You know, and, and I've been investigating these attorneys, you know, because the ones that are protecting all these perverts. And another one is... Uh, Roy Black in the Epstein case, okay? Now, he, I'm investigating him, and, and a video just came out. I think Fox News put it out. But um, he had um, defended uh, that uh, William Kennedy Smith in the, in the rape case in Florida, you know? Oh, right. Well, what happened yeah. there? Oh, yeah, back in 91. And what happened there is they only had six jurors. Well, there was three other women that would have testified that this uh, William Kennedy Smith did the same thing to them right then in the 80s. Well, he blocked that testimony from coming in, you know, so they didn't get to hear about the other women that he's done this to. Well, then come to find out there's only six people on the jury. The jury stayed out for only 72 minutes and came back and, and gave a, um, a not guilty verdict. Well, then after the, after the trial, all the people went out to party and everything. And uh, here, down down at this bar where they're down there partying, here's the, the foreman of the jury down there kissing Roy Black on lips, a woman. He later goes on and marries this woman, the foreman of that jury that got William Kennedy Smith off. Wow. This is how sick and involved the pedophile-protecting attorneys are. Wow. Wow. I mean, the very same night. That jury foreman is down there kissing Roy Black on the lips in this bar. Well, I mean, you know, they've gotten away with this stuff for so long. I mean, it's, 
you, that really has to, and we saw what happened, but, you know, the irony of John F. Kennedy um, being the one to, you know, to try and stop this and being assassinated for it, um, but, yeah. you know, it, it's, it, uh, it, power corrupts. I mean, it really oh, does. Oh, you betcha. And wealth corrupts. As you see it all the time. People completely lose their perspective. There's a psychopathy associated with that kind of wealth. It, it's really very apparent to anyone who's paying attention. Yeah. Well, they're, they're uh, doing jury selection today in the Nexium trial. And um, oh, the judge, uh, um, last week came to a close battle. The judge first ruled that the names of prospective and impaneled jurors will be completely anonymous and will not be released to the parties or to the public. And then he ordered questions on the jury questionnaire to be modified because those questions ask potential jurors to provide information they might not, that might disclose their identity. Well, Keith Rainier and Claire Bachman filed a written objection. So then he changed it. He reversed the ruling and ordered that the names of prospective and impaneled jurors will be withheld from the public until after the trial, but will be made available to the parties, their attorneys, and their attorney staffs and consultants only, and shall not be divulged to any third party until further order of the court. Jurors must be identified only by juror number in open court. So he's um, there. Um, I think he's got five. Let me see. How many jurors he's got a screen to get? He's got uh, each of 500 people were selected for the panel and will be asked to fill out the questionnaire. So 500 to get your lousy 12 jurors. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, the idea. Well, imagine it's scary for anybody sitting on these jurors, juries. Well, especially after Claire Bronfman's history, documented history of, you know, harassing the hell out of people who dared try and um, hold her accountable. Remember, she has spent millions of dollars litigating to try and shut down criticism of her. Um, There was, I forget the woman's name, I think you know who I'm talking about, who has spent years litigating against her. Um, But it's all just a strategy of wearing people down and um, getting them to shut up and, you know, with, uh, especially, and then in the court documents, it said that this Nexium was set up as a human compromise operation. Like, what the fuck do you think people who are setting up a human compromise operation are going to do when they get their hands on the names of those jurors? Right, right. And they, and they tracked the emails or went in and tracked the emails in, in her father's um, email account and got access to like Hillary Clinton's email. Yeah, so imagine the idea that the they blackmail were, information they have on these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. th- what a judge! Geez, it's like holy cow. These people, <laughs> I you know, I, I feel for them. Like if they, you know, you really are taking your life in your own hands if you dare, you know, try and stand up to these people. But my God, you know, if he's going, whoever this judge is is going to get these jurors killed or their family members killed or somebody's going to get cancer or something. I mean, they'll be bankrupted. There are all kinds of ways that they can be, you know, destroyed by these guys. And they've proven their willingness to do it. And there's so many people that, you know, so many elites involved in this. 
Yeah, it's just, you know, that, yeah, they're going to end up having people killed. Yep. So, so yeah, I, well, I wouldn't be afraid to be on these jurors, on the jury, but I bet you most people are. Yeah, understandably, understandably. It's, it's outrageous. I mean, you know, if we don't stop it, who's going to stop it? That's the thing. It's like you might wind up dead, but at least, you know, you're you're advancing the ball a little bit and you go down swinging. That's kind of how I see it. It's like, you know, we've got everything to lose by not fighting back. You know, how well, right. you think it's bad now? Like you not doing anything will guarantee that it gets a whole lot worse. <laughs> so Right. I want to read it. I had an example here of um, what they keep on these these sex slaves, okay? They got one here, an example. This from the Frank Report. You know, he was a PR guy and who quit next to him, and he's really the one that turned them in. And um, he says an example of a fully collateralized slave is Allison Mack. Her collateral consisted of extremely graphic nudes to destroy her acting career, a letter regarding Mac's mother and father that would destroy their character, destroy her parents. A contract that transferred custody of any children birthed by Mac to Rainier, if Mac broke her commitment to Rainier, so to steal her motherhood if she became a mother. And a contract that transferred ownership of Mac's homes if the commitment to Rainier was broken. And a letter to social services alleging abuse to Mac's nephews to destroy her siblings and nephews' wives. So this is the kind of stuff, why did these people, why did these women give them this information? Yeah, you know, well, one of the things, remember, Evelyn, you know, this gets into the topic of the CIA MKUltra stuff, but remember, one of the ways that that programming works is by, it's through trauma, remember? Like when you you have to put someone into a state of trauma and then, they're more easily manipulated at that point. Remember when we were talking with Ben Zemkis, who right. had attended right. one of these Nexium mixers back in 2006, 2007, and reported there being a Dr. Brandon Porter present at this event, and that these women who had been invited, mostly from Yale, to attend would be would go take turns going into this room with Dr. Porter, observe something on a computer screen, and then Dr. Porter would document their reaction. And his girlfriend, or the woman he went to this mixer with, Ben Zinkis went with, reported back to him that these were films of, of women being raped and killed. Well, that's, the, the use of that would have been to traumatize these girls so then they get they go through this whole presentation where they're using all kinds of methods that are known to be effective in um you know co-opting someone's judgment and so they after being put into this traumatized state these women would then be subjected to this programming and they would be more susceptible to it. So um, that's how that kind of thing works. And Dr. Brandon Porter was arrested. His work, uh, excuse me, Claire Bronfman financed him to the tune of $30 million, and he was arrested for illegal human experiments because those were real snuff films. 
that he was showing to these women unwittingly. They had no idea what they were going into. I mean, the, uh, the possession of that content is illegal to begin with, much less to, you know, pretend to be using it as um, science or something. But that that was Nancy Saltzman was directly affiliated with that um, Brandon Porter as well. And Nancy Saltzman, sure. remember, was a Clinton Global Initiative member, invitation only, who's associated with Nexium. Right, and, and and he said, you know, how all of all of these people were there at that party back in two thousand seven. Right, you know, um, Weiner, Anthony Weiner, and um, Avenatti. You know, yes. a whole bunch of them were there at yes. that party all the way back then. You know. Yep. And so this bit about this uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, um, this article that came out about her, they said that, so this is back in 2006, too, that um, this Nexium this um, gang had bought up the three front tables at a Hillary Clinton fundraiser. And that's where, um, that's where that uh, Kirsten Gillihan went and sat at the, at the tables with uh, Nancy Salzman. Sat at the front table right. that the Nexium gang had bought. So the Nexium gang had bought the three front tables at Hillary's fundraiser. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are billionaires. Again, you know, yep. I think for a lot of people, it's really hard to wrap their heads around that. You know, we're talking in all these cases, we're talking about the most wealthy and powerful people on the planet <laughs> are directly affiliated. They are in control of these networks. They are setting up these networks and using them to rob us. I mean, that's what, and, you know, again, Richard Branson, Jeffrey Epstein, right. I mean, Alan Dershowitz is, has a direct connection to the president. This is a guy who's defending a billionaire child sex trafficker. Give me a yep. break. Would you want your attention to be? I don't think if I had a high profile, I would want to be affiliated with that kind of thing. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, um, um, Frank from the Frank Report says that um, that Gillibrand's father's his father's wife too, the stepmother was also a member of the Nexium. He said Doug Chug is her father's name. Got her into the cult. Gillibrand's father got Gillibrand's future stepmother into the cult. Doug left the cult because he was sued. Claire Bronfman, after her father was sued, donated money to Gillibrand. Gillibrand accepted it. Uh, they just been parading this right out in front of us. Yeah, they buy everybody off. They buy people's silence. I mean, yeah. it's it's really, you know, by you know, by giving Gillibrand that money, it it bought her silence about what happened to her father. I mean. You know, oh, it's right, just right. The, the whole thing is horrifying. Okay, well, Chris, thanks for coming on. I hope we uh, alerted people to the latest developments here. Yeah, well, we just got to keep hammering away. Okay, we'll see you next week, people. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Peace in pieces, bloody and